Good morning. Happy New Year, everybody. I wasn't sure how many people would show up today. I'm always impressed by people who get up out of bed on New Year's Day and come to church. It doesn't happen very often, but I want to take a minute to reflect on the year that we've just completed. I'm sure we have each had joys and sorrows, highs and lows, moments of broken hearts, and times with hearts full to bursting. We said some goodbyes and welcomed new people into our lives, and some days felt routine, and others felt like a roller coaster. I want to give thanks for all of that and more, because that is the stuff of life. All of it is. And it's what makes us human and vulnerable and strong. And I'm so grateful for every minute. And I'm so grateful for all of you. So we bid farewell to 2022. And so let's do so with intention and awareness and gratitude and joy. Today may be a new year, but here in church world, we're still in Christmas. But to recap where we, where we enter the story, what's happened up until we enter the story today, Joseph and Mary have traveled to Bethlehem to be registered by the Roman state. When they arrived in Bethlehem, Mary was very pregnant, but they couldn't find a place to stay. So she ended up giving birth to the babe in a manger, wrapping him in strips of cloth and laying him in the hay. Is this sounding at all familiar? Do you all know this story? Okay, good. So the angel appeared to the shepherds, right, in the fields, the shepherds, and told them all about the baby in the manger, saying that they were bringing good news of great joy to all people. They said, to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. You'll find him wrapped in strips of cloth in a manger with the animals in the dirty hay. It's not a particularly auspicious beginning for the savior of the world, right? Not surprising though. Not just because we've heard this story a billion times, but because throughout the biblical story, God chooses very unlikely people to serve as prophets and messengers, people without status or power and perhaps without even a roof over their heads. This story is no different. A poor peasant girl, a carpenter, and their child, then lowly shepherds invited to be the first people to meet this child and give witness to what has happened. From the very beginning, we know that this story will challenge our expectations and call what we know of the world into question. Our gospel today picks up at this point as the shepherds head off to Bethlehem to see the miraculous child wrapped in strips of cloth in a manger with animals and dirty hay. When they see the child, the shepherds are so excited and full of the Holy Spirit, they told everyone who would listen. They told them what the angels had had said to them, and I love this line, Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherd's story confirmed all that Mary already knew, or at least trusted that she knew, 
but maybe there remained a sliver of doubt. So it must have been gratifying or even a relief. <sighs> Not crazy after all. <sighs> so this so to hear these shepherd, shepherds tell the story of the angels and all of this, Mary thanks goodness, thank goodness. She's not alone. I think Joseph is probably thinking this too. Eight days pass, right? And it's the day that the baby is to be circumcised and given his name, which is why today is in the liturgical calendar called Holy Name Sunday celebrating the eighth day of the baby's birth when he's given his name. Our, reading tells, our readings tell us this, and the collect of the day summarizes it, saying, Eternal Father, you gave to your incarnate Son the holy name of Jesus to be the sign of our salvation. The baby, this little baby, wrapped in strips of cloth and sleeping in dirty old hay, was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. In Luke, the angel tells Mary to name her son Yeshua, which we translate as Jesus. In Hebrew, Yeshua means salvation. In Matthew, the angel also tells Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Yeshua was his calling and destiny from the very beginning, the tiny eight-day-old baby named Jesus, salvation. And so Yeshua, or Jesus, is born to a peasant girl and a carpenter, perhaps the most unlikely parents to the child born to be the savior of the world, but very in keeping with God's propensity to choose the least of us as God's prophets and messengers or God's incarnate being. If you attended any of our Christmas Eve services, you would have heard Jimmy telling the story of Gideon, right? The weakest man in the weakest tribe of Israel. Gideon resisted being called as a messenger of God because he didn't believe he was worthy. Gideon wasn't alone in this reaction to God's call. When God came to Jeremiah and said that he had known him before he was in the womb, and he set him apart to be a prophet to the nations, Jeremiah's response was, I don't even know how to talk. I'm just a boy, right? I can't do this work. Isaiah's first reaction to being called by God is to argue that his lips are unclean and he is unworthy. And it's not until the seraphim cleanse his lips with a hot coal that, Je that Isaiah believes himself to be worthy of God's call. And then he jumps into it with both feet. Here I am. Send me. Amos was a simple shepherd when he was called by God and told to prophecy to God's people. A pattern emerges of God calling the least likely characters to serve God. And that story plays out once again when God selects Mary. It wasn't a mistake. God chose Mary, poor, powerless, very young, peasant girl, Mary. I tend to, <coughs> excuse me, I, I tend to focus during Christmas on Mary and the baby. I'm always moved by her story, the strength and wisdom shown by such a young woman and the critical role she plays in the embodiment of Christ, right? Literally giving him life and form and being. 
And as a mom, I relate to her experience. I relate to the excitement and anxiety of her pregnancy. I relate to the birth, all of it. Mary is my girl. So I take every chance I can to talk about her, to expound on the Magnificat, the beautiful song she speaks when the angel comes to her. But this year, probably for the first time, I've been drawn also to Joseph. Maybe because I lost my father this year and this is the first Christmas that I have been without him somewhere in the world. Joseph spoke to me in new ways, the dad. He reminds me a little of my father, sort of quietly living in the background, a supporting actor in the story that unfolds, not ever really being the center of the drama. But he's a critical presence in Jesus' life, stable, supportive, protective. I often say that my mother taught me about social justice and that what I do in the world matters. But my dad taught me how to be a good person. And I see the little bit of that in Mary and Joseph. God chose Mary, but God also chose Joseph to raise this child, to ensure that baby Jesus grew into the man that he needed to be in order to fulfill his ministry in the world, a man of commitment and strength, but also a man of deep compassion and kindness. In our gospel reading today, the shepherds go to Bethlehem to see the baby for themselves, and we get a tiny peek at this little family, Mary and Joseph and the child laying in the manger. There's something really poignant about this picture of this little family cuddled together in the dirty hay. God chose Mary and Joseph. In the Magnificat, Mary prophesies the radical nature of the change that is coming. She understands that through her and through her child, they will change, the, God is changing the course of human history. And she loudly and proudly prophesies this truth with great joy and gratitude, courage and power. She innately understands that Jesus' ministry will be about justice and mercy and grace and love. She speaks of God coming into the world and turning it upside down. Her words foreshadow the words that will be spoken by Jesus 30 years later in the Beatitudes as he embodies his ministry. The mighty will be cast down and the lowly lifted up. The hungry will be filled and the rich will be turned away. God will show mercy. She understands her critical role as a mother making sure that Joseph, Jesus knows his role, that he understands justice and what, what he does in the world matters. And then there's Joseph, quiet, solid, reliable Joseph. I love the juxtaposition between the angel visiting Mary and then Joseph. It tells you a lot about who they are as people. Mary is both humble but righteous and strong, singing out about the revolution to come in the name of God. Joseph is faithful and obedient, self-sacrificing, setting aside his own hurt worry and worries over Mary's pregnancy, impossible betrayal, marrying her anyway because the angel tells him to, and stepping fully into the role of father. Mary might not have had a choice, but Joseph could have run for the hills, but he didn't. Joseph is important to the story, first, because he is descended from the Davidic line, which in both Matthew and Luke stress through the recitations of his lineage, 
And those two, those two lineage stories are very, very different, but that's a different sermon. But if you read them, you're like, wait, what's going on here? Anyway, it's important because it fulfills the prophecies that have come for generations that the Messiah will be sent, descended from David. So Joseph fills that need, even though Joseph is not Jesus' birth father. Joseph is his adoptive father, or maybe his stepfather, and yet Joseph, Jesus is fully Joseph's son, no questions asked. I want to nominate Joseph for stepfather of the, of the year, no, of the millennia. Jesus is his child in every way that counts. One of the things that fascinates me about the story of Mary and Joseph is that Mary is the star, while Joseph is a supporting character, which is not a dynamic we see a lot of in the biblical story or in history in general. So there really is not a lot about Joseph in the, in the Bible. Most of what we know of him comes from Luke and Matthew, but here's what we do know. He's descended from David, already said that, right? He was this carpenter living in Nazareth. He was a devoted husband and father, upending his entire life to protect his family. We can infer that Joseph was a man of integrity, deep faith, and obedience. The angel comes to Joseph in a dream and tells him not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife because she has conceived a child from the Holy Spirit. And upon waking, Joseph does exactly what he was told. He is a good and kind person, standing my, by Mary throughout her pregnancy and then accepting the babe as his own child. Later, when the angel Joseph visits Joseph again and warns him to take Mary and Jesus to Egypt, Remember, he had to protect Jesus because Herod was searching for him in order to destroy him. Joseph goes, and he waits patiently in exile, trusting the angel to let him know what, when it's safe to return home. He does what he must to protect his wife and child. Joseph embraces his role as Jesus' father from the very beginning. As we see from beginning with that sweet scene of the little family in the manger to their escape to Egypt to protect his wife and child to the scene when Jesus is a young boy and goes missing at the temple for three days. And that's the last we see of Joseph. It's kind of sad. I believe it's because Jesus is stepping from childhood into his manhood, moving ever closer to his, min his destined ministry, and Joseph wor Joseph's work is done. And now Jesus' relationship with the Holy Father takes center stage. It's a little sad, though. God selected Joseph to father the baby, Jesus, to raise him to be a good man, a man of integrity and faith and obedience. Mary and Joseph, regular people, like any one of us. It is extraordinary that God works through the least of us, those unnoticed by all the important people who are focused on all the other important people, the Caesars and Pilots, the Herods and high priests of the world. This is a critical differentiating aspect of the Jesus story that is central from the very beginning. So pay attention. History isn't transformed at the center, but at the margins. And in this story, by and among poor, seemingly powerless people.
You see, God entered into the world on the margins because that is the only way that Jesus could become who he was meant to be. Mary taught Jesus what his role was in the world and made sure he was ready to live into that role. Joseph taught him to be a good person. God selected Mary and Joseph for a reason. The incarnate God, born to a woman, raised by a very human mother and father, experiencing all the ups and downs of life, skinned knees, playground bullies, tantrums, and heartbreaks. This is the Jesus we can relate to, who can relate to us. I find this human aspect of Jesus incredibly compelling. And yet, Jesus is fully God, Emmanuel, God with us. If Jesus were just human, Joseph would have quietly dismissed Mary and broken their betrothal. It took an angel appearing in Joseph's dream to convince him to accept Jesus as his own. The angels play a really important role in this story. In order to embrace the hope of Jesus and live into the justice of this new world, one must begin to open oneself to the visitation of the angel or the mystical experience of God. My personal theology is so grounded in the social gospel and the embodiment of Jesus that I sometimes forget the mystical side of the story, the mystery and the miracle. Christmas, like Easter, is a wonderful time to remember and embrace the mystery. The gift of Christmas isn't rational. It's not just a story of a human baby born to a human mother and a human father. The story cannot be sustained by rationalism alone, and it is the power and promise of the Christmas story. The Christmas story proclaims that God is with us, lighting our way in every aspect of life. God incarnate, embodied. The birth of a baby changed everything when a child is born unto us, the world is renewed, and hope bursts forth. A child born to a simple mother and father, Mary and Joseph, a child who will change the course of human history, and his name is Jesus, Savior. Before I let you go, I want to take a minute to welcome this new year, a blank slate of possibility and opportunity a year that will be filled with joys and sorrows, highs and lows, moments of broken hearts and times with hearts full to bursting. Live fully into the coming year. Embrace all that is mystical and worldly. Make space to be courageous and outspoken like Mary and quiet and dependable like Joseph. Allow the Christmas story to transform your hearts welcoming the mystery and beauty and promise of the story into your lives and your hearts today and every day. Reach out to the world with the love of God, realizing that when we do so in the name of Christ, we are the body of Christ in the world. We are the embodiment of Christmas, the embodiment of Christ, whose name is Jesus, salvation. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.